Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. It's Pride Month here in Auckland. And that means there is an almost never-ending list of events lighting up the city in celebration. Nathan Joe is the creative director of Auckland Pride, and he is with me in the Auckland studio right now. Kia ora to you. Kia ora. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. And also, happy Lunar New Year. And happy Lunar New Year. Serendipity. Yeah, I know. Love it. Double double fun. <laughs> double, double fun. You've just come straight from an event. Yes, I came from the opening night of Auckland Theatre Company's Hyperspace. Uh-huh. Yeah. What What's that? So it's a collaboration between Tapo Theatre and Auckland Theatre Company. It's their... Second partnership, I believe, to put on like a fully fledged production of Albert Bala- Albert Bowser's mm. newest play. Cool. It's not part of Pride Month, but it does have sort of a kitschy homage to the '90s that I think a lot of Pride audiences will resonate will, will resonate with. Totally, totally. What for people listening? Um, how would you articulate what Pride Month kind of is? I mean, at a sort of like most fundamental level, it is a month where we celebrate the community through activating spaces and events. Like it's predominantly, I would say, eighty to ninety percent an open access festival. So what that means is anyone can really be part of it, you know, within reason, mm-hmm. and participate and engage and get resource and get become part of the umbrella of Auckland Pride, like a French yeah. festival. No essentially, one's, no one's checking your gay passport. No, yeah. that, that, that feels sort of like um, I don't know. It's, it's a good faith approach, yeah. right? Um, and then there's like ten to twenty percent, which is curated and programmed by us internally, which is sort of like the the special, slightly more resourced stuff. Mm. So, how did you get involved in the first place? What's your background? My background is in theatre as a playwright and performance poet. Um, I was actually working at Basement Theatre at the time I got poached to work at Pride because the previous creative director, um, my predecessor, Alicia Wilson-Hetty, mm-hmm. who basically decided to move on to a more well-paid job. As you do. As you do. Um, and there aren't actually a lot of arts programmers in this country, in the mm-hmm. city, and particularly ones that maybe fit uh, the right demographic and mm-hmm. are the right, I don't know. It's not the the fanciest role, but it is a role that, an eager person, I think, can rise to. And I think Max, my um, previous executive director, mm. saw my eagerness and was like... And I had applied for the role previously. Right, yeah. So there was... All the chips fell into place and I felt quite ready and keen to do it. What, really. is it, what does it involve? Um, oh, what does it involve? There are so many moving parts. It's actually quite hard to articulate. In terms of my role as a creative director... A lot of that is working with the executive directors to kind of come up with a theme, a kind of um, vision for the festival and a structure for how we kind of roll out our events and hold the wider festival network. Um, What I will specifically do within that is curate a specific like um, mini program within the festival. Mm. So, for instance, um, across Pride Month, there are nine events that I've specifically curated that are part of this thing called Pride Elevates. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that's about trying to get a canvas of who is the future of 
queer theatre, queer performing arts in this country, um, who do I think are the most amazing or hardworking independent creatives that really, by giving them a bit of resource, they can go yeah. a long way. Yeah. Well, because I guess that's an interesting element to this, is that um, it's like a... Well, it strikes me that it's kind of like a... Almost like a talent spotting... There's a talent spotting element to it as well, shining the spotlight on mm. really mm. talented artists in, in Aotearoa who... Um, who might not otherwise have this platform and this, this audience 100%. To. And I think, you know, there are kind of two festival models. There's the ones that have a lot of money uh-huh. who are getting the the big boys to play and throw can throw big money and get international artists or get established local artists. And then there are organisations like Pride that have far less money, but actually where we, where we can succeed and thrive is that we have a theoretically our ears a bit closer to the ground mm. and we kind of know who's coming up we're a bit more connected to the community we have i wouldn't say better relationships but we have more immediate relationships to independent artists because i am one myself and my co-directors also are artists themselves so there is a immediacy in terms of the, the joy of you know the joy of spotting talent but the joy of spotting the future versus the joy of right. bringing over really big names for sure no that makes sense is it quite a is it quite a high pressure role being a creative director because it's a creative world, mm. um, and 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 you you have um, predecessors. You know, there are I suppose direct comparisons mm. that people will make that you maybe yourself will make whether whether or not you want to necessarily. Like, um, is there a feeling of not necessarily one-upmanship, but you know, I've got I'm continuing a legacy here in a sense. Well, I'm quite lucky in the sense that the creative director role hasn't actually existed for a very long time. Right. So Alicia, who was not last year but the year before, that was the first year that it had existed. Mm. Prior to that, the festival really functioned predominantly just as an open access. So there wasn't much curatorial um, – there was curatorial sort of um, skill involved, but it was much more outreach-based. Right. So it's like, hey, do you want to be part of the festival? Mm. Or, hey, you should be part of the festival. Versus now it's more like, hey – I'm going to pay you, I'm going to give you resource to be officially mm. part of the festival as a curated artist. And it there must, is a kind of tiering to that. It, it must be both fun and also kind of nerve-wracking having that ability, you know, that that you, you can you can give people money. You're making decisions about these, these things. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know, we're in a bit of an arts crisis at the moment in that CNZ isn't going to creative new zealand isn't going to be giving out more money mm. and we know that cost of living has risen and is rising um and the cost of like making art is actually rising because all these production elements are getting more expensive mm. so yes there is a sort of ethical conundrum in that as an artist in particular there's the danger of um nepotism there's yeah. always the danger of like thinking your friends are the best artists mm. and it's something i try really hard to avoid yeah it's 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 actually it's really really interesting to to think about. I mean, what it almost feels like a, a not a facetious question, but you know, a boring one. But what you know, what makes queer art queer art? It's not a facetious question, but it's like a it feels very expansive yeah, question. Exactly. Where like, how yeah. long is a piece of string? It's right? So broad as to be unhelpful. Yeah. But do you know what what I'm kind of getting at? With yeah, it? I mean, I kind of let artists self-identify in that regard you know if you think what you're making is queer art unless i strongly disagree with you i'm not going to disagree with you yeah and actually there's two components right like if i'm curating you it's not that you're just a queer artist but you're a queer artist doing something that i think is 
um, within a pride context, deeply queer. Like, mm-hmm. I think any art that a queer artist makes is queer, but I think within Pride Month, I do hold it to a different standard, mm-hmm. right? I do expect it to be slightly more queer or slightly... Um, and queer not just through... I'm not talking about sexuality and gender, but, like, queering the system or queering... and uh, Giving, you know, slanting what we would expect mm-hmm. yeah, to the, to the norm, anyway. And, and, I mean, when you look at the range, range of events that are going on this month, that actually that plays quite nicely into this because, you know, there is theatre and, and art exhibitions, mm. as, as you'd expect. But there's, you know, there's weeding. There is uh, crocheting. There's tarot, t- tarot cards. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty of our community, which is that it's very large and diverse and expansive. Mm. So through that, the kind of notion of the open access thing, right, you end up getting things that people... You get events that people want to see because they are putting on the events that they want to put on. So we have this thing called the Pride and Spark Empowerment Initiative. So that's how we, I guess, um, seduce or cajole people into being part of the festival that aren't curated. We do the outreach or they are engaging with us and we go, hey, you've got this great idea for an event. We will give you a bit of money to put it on. This can't really put on a theatre show or a big art piece, but it can put on a kind of activation or a community event or an idea or a little gig. Mm. Yeah, it's a whole month of events, so we won't ask you to reel them all off the top of your head, even though you maybe you could. But um, looking <laughs> at this point, I wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> looking ahead to this weekend, give us a sense of, of one or two events that are that are taking place this weekend. Um, this weekend, a really particularly exciting one in terms of like our current co-papa that is trying to centre Māori and Pacific artists in particular. We have the Pacific Sisters, who are kind of queer um, pride icons of the 90s who have sort of come on board as senior artists in the festival and they're um, doing a series of workshops so Pacific Sisters in Dafale at the Samoa House Um, so that'll be from tomorrow afternoon essentially most of the afternoon and you can do workshops you can dress up you can make art with them so that's a really amazing community event with some like real heroes of our community Um, but then later in the evening we have things like a kiki ball which is the only um, strictly ballroom event this year, which is not the norm, but because of that, it will have a sort of particular energy around it. And ballroom is such a massive part of our um, voguing scene mm. in New Zealand at the moment. It's you know been that way for the last decade. But it's cool to see um, a new kind of younger ballroom community and ballroom um, group come in and lead this. Mm. Um, and then kind of the, not the flip side, but on the kind of other end of the spectrum, we have a art house avant-garde porn film from the 70s at Academy Cinemas. Oh, wow. Which um, I've sort of curated alongside well, Sam Tukane. I wasn't expecting you to, to say that sentence. Out. Yeah, neither. I, I, I didn't expect <laughs> to say it on RNZ Nights either. <laughs> but it's a, a 70s art house porno. It's sort of pre the, like the traditional porn system. Uh-huh. So it's not really there to titillate. It's using kind of pornographic imagery yeah. to tell a kind of abstract story about Los Angeles and sort of like queer gentrification and all these things and what's great is it's only like 55 minutes long because it doesn't have a narrative but then we have Sam Takani um, and I will be chatting afterwards for like 20-30 minutes about like why is this so influential and, what's it called can you say uh, no? LA plays itself LA plays itself yeah okay it's just thought you know we better get that out there um, <laughs> you know there, there are there are almost certainly still people out there who would say you know we are a totally different society than we were 50 years ago uh, queer people are fully accepted now. What's the need for a month, um, a, a, a Pride Month like this? I mean, I've got a text in here saying, you know, why does Pride need a month? Doesn't that evi- de- define the other 11 months as not 
pride. I don't know whether you get much of that, but <laughs> we get so much. Do of you that. get quite a lot of that? I don't know. It's such a. I find it a really silly question because I'm in the the thick of it, and I see what difference it makes. I. I think it's so easy to think that being queer is okay, but actually our society at this current point in time is so deeply atomized and the amount of like hate mail we get um, every year when this time comes around is quite immense. So I would say it's a strange one because it feels like there's such a deep need to push back against hatred that is quite covert mm-hmm. and a lot of that is covert. You know, I think New Zealand, Aotearoa prides itself in being not that prejudiced, but its prejudice is one of subtlety, nuance, and microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have the honour of um, playing a song to end your interview. We told you about this when you walked through the door about 25 minutes ago. Um, so you didn't have that long to think about it. But what'd you go for? I went with Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. How come? Um, I've been listening to it a lot recently. It's been in the news lately. It's been in the news recently, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just listen to the lyrics because they're quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who doesn't really pay attention to lyrics very well if I'm listening to music. So I have to kind of like make a conscious effort. And in doing so, I went, wow, this is like a narratively, not complex, but narratively um, concise piece of music it tells a story about um aspiration and wanting to get out of a small town and as a christchurch boy i deeply resonate with that what school did you go to uh <laughs> i went to record in high school good boy nathan joe thanks for coming in really appreciate it Kia head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.